the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 26th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On January 26, 2020, NBA legend Kobe Bryant, remember him? His, he and his 13-year-old daughter, Guyana, and seven others. They were friends of hers. I think one parent was with them. They were in a helicopter. The helicopter plunged into a steep hillside in dense fog in Southern California. He was 41 years old, played his uh, career basketball, National Basketball Association, with the Lakers. Kobe was a religious man. I don't know if he was saved in a sense of evangelicalism, but he went to church regularly. This happened to be on a Sunday, as I recall, and um, he took. He used to run around Los Angeles in a helicopter because it, if you've been there or lived there, and uh, it, it's hard to get around. It's a lot of traffic. So anyway, he had a lot of money, and he would travel around in his helicopter a lot. They were doing that on this, um, I'm sure it was a Sunday morning. In any case, they had gone, he and this group of his daughter's friends, and I think one parent was with them as well. They had gone to church, and um, then they were on their way to, uh, I think, some kind of a girls' basketball camp or something, and uh, this horrible tragedy happened and took Bryant, his daughter, her friends, and one other adult. Today in 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Rocky Mountain National Park Act that created America's 10th National Park. Today in 1992, Democratic presidential candidate Bill Clinton appeared with his wife, Hillary, on CBS 60 Minutes. In the interview, he acknowledged that he had caused pain in his marriage. He said, I have caused pain in my marriage. But he said past problems were not relevant to the campaign. A lot of people were asking at that time. Today in 1998, six years later, President Bill Clinton forcefully denied having an affair with a former White House intern. He told reporters, quote, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Today in 2009, Nadia Sulman gave birth at Kaiser Permanente Bellflower Medical Center in California. She gave birth to six boys and two girls. Criticism, of course, came from the public when they learned that the unemployed single mother had gotten pregnant with the octuplets and six elder children through in vitro fertilization. I'm going to be talking a little bit about family, family matters, marriages matter. Today we'll get back to that in a moment, but President Joe Biden's approval rating is the worst of any headline stories this morning in a lot of the news media. It's the worst in of any president since Jimmy Carter. The average 
over the last several months is 39.8% approval rating by the American public. It dipped lower than that, but that's the average, 39.8%. Boy. Former President Donald Trump, he's kind of acting like he's back in the Oval Office this morning. He's calling on governors, President, former President Trump, He's calling on governors to use their National Guard soldiers to remove migrants back across the border. He posted on Truth Social. He's following statements from 25 Republican governors supporting the state of Texas standoff against Biden administration in Shelby Park, Texas. As you know, the the governor of Texas has been taking a very strong stand trying to protect Texas from this massive invasion of illegal aliens. Texas, the other states, now 25 Republican governors are supporting him publicly. And Trump is calling on all of the Republican governors who have states that are affected, and most all states are now, affected by this massive influx of undocumented, unknown people into our culture and into our communities. We'll be talking more about that next week, I can assure you, as this whole thing develops. The city of Seattle, <laughs> they announced uh, yesterday, actually day before yesterday, that they're going to pay rioters who demonstrated in the name of Black Lives Matter $10 million. $10 million. There's about four dozen of them, about 48, 45 or 48 people in this kind of a class action lawsuit, I guess. And um, they've sued the city over allegations of excessive force uh, by the police and by authorities. This decision, city attorney Ann Davison says in this press release, this decision was the best financial decision for the city considering risk, cost, and insurance. The case has, she said, the case has been a significant drain on the time and resources of the city and would have continued to be so through an estimated three-month trial that was scheduled to begin in May. I understand sometimes people, especially big corporations, they'll decide to settle a case rather than go through the public embarrassment sometimes or whatever of a public trial and end up paying money as well. But can you imagine, I mean, is it me or is this outrageous? These people burn the city, they take over, people are killed on CHOP, and now they're getting $10 million for their bad deeds. Something has got to give. We just can't go on like this. How many young kids, street kids, are going to be sitting around smoking pot and looking at this and saying, wow, $10 million. Let's go out and have somebody push us the wrong way or hurt our feelings or whatever, and we too can sue. And maybe we can get $10 million. I mean, this is just inviting more and more and more of the same. That's what's wrong with these cities that are run by the left. You can go down the list. It isn't just Seattle. I mean, look at Portland. But look at these cities across the country that are run by leftists with leftist ideas. They can they can say, well, we're going to get new blood. We're going to get a new vision here. So they 
they elect the leftists in the city elect another leftist to lead and they get the same results it's like will they ever learn no they won't because they're blinded by their own philosophies it's the philosophy of the world it's the philosophy of darkness leftist is it's extracted right out of the right out of the heart of Karl Marx and others like him that's the problem that we have in America today it is troubling and it seems sometimes that the fix the correction for all of this politically is just out of reach because there's so many people that have been indoctrinated now to lead, to believe these leftist views and they're voting that they elect like in the cities like Seattle or the, the Puget Crescent there like Portland like San Francisco I mean go right down the west coast and obviously there are others in the east and they say well you know this leftist that we've elected isn't getting the job done so we're going to elect XYZ who's a similar leftist and they just get keep getting the same results over and over and over again it's like insanity is defined by doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting different results each time that's what we're living through in our culture today and it's all a result of turning our back and our minds away from the founding principles and values of this nation they were important because they were biblical and our founders were smart enough to figure that out and infuse those principles they didn't get all hung up on well this sounds religious they infused those principles into our founding documents and America became that light, that city on a hill, that light in the darkness. America became the most blessed, the most prosperous, the most generous and charitable, and the freest nation in the history of the world. And now here we are with a stumbling, bumbling leadership that sometimes can't even walk off the stage. I'm sorry, but that's true. I was reading this morning earlier in Psalms. I came across a verse that I have used so often as a pastor to encourage people. Let me share it with you. It's just a few words, but it is the word of the Lord. And I thought to myself as I made a note to myself to when we came on the radio live this morning to mention this, I thought there may be someone who's going through a very, very personal, difficult time right now. It may be even difficult to explain what's happening in their life to someone who cares. Darkness, perhaps, has enveloped them. They feel like maybe maybe you're not going to make it through this trial, whatever it may be, this loss, this reverse, whatever. And then the Lord speaks out of that darkness, and this may be just for you this morning. It's Psalm 30, verse 5. The New King James Version says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's for you today, and you know who you are I don't but you take that and stand on that 
and your joy will come because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not relative to the times in which we live and it's not relative to what we're going through personally at any given time. It's based on eternal truth. Joy will come in the morning. One feature of American life for some time now is that women, as a group, tend to fall to the left of men politically. For much of the 20th century, the gap was relatively minor until 1980. Then the sexes voted within a few percentage points of each other, but things started to change. Since then, things have changed dramatically, since about 1980. Brad Wilcox, with the Institute for Family Studies, he recently pointed out in an article that he wrote that the percentage of young men ages 18 to 29 who identify as Republican has risen by double digits in the last decade. Some have doubted, he says, the idea that young men 18 through 29 are turning right politically. He tweeted this. He said, it's time for those who believe that to wake up because something is happening with young men between 18 and 29. He does not relate this to the revivals that are happening on the campuses around the country that I talk about regularly on this program because the media certainly doesn't cover it. And if so, it's very passively and they don't even give the most important facts about what's happening. Thousands turn out and they call it hundreds, like the March for Life. That really bothers me. I mean, it really bothers me. They report in the, in their legacy news or whatever you want to call it, like hundreds turned out to march against abortion in Washington, D.C. No, thousands, tens of thousands turned out to march for life. There's a lot of difference in those two statements. That's the world we live in. Anyway. The, I think this is related, the political response is related to the spiritual that's happening in America today. Tens of thousands, I can safely say hundreds of thousands of kids, young kids. Oh, there's older people there like you and me. <laughs> but there's thousands of these kids that fall generally into this age bracket of 18 to 29. They're not only turning right in their politics to the right, but they're turning up in their spiritual walk, in their spiritual life. They're getting it right with God. I believe, I honestly believe that this is beginning to impact these kinds of statistics that we're seeing today in the world, the secular community. They don't see it, or if they do, they don't want to report on it, whatever, but I believe the two are connected. And like this Brad Wilcox said, he said it's time, to, if you don't believe something is happening, it's time for you to wake up. Norman Rockwell, remember him? Norman Rockwell, the great artist and stuff. He's done so many pictures, and they're also heartwarming. I mean, they're now they're in puzzles, and you can buy puzzles that are his pictures and all this kind of thing. He captured one. The title of, of this one in particular was Dewey versus Truman, Election Day. And it shows, uh, Rockwell, it shows uh, a, a husband and wife, and it looks like kind of like the 50s, kind of like 
some of the TV shows, but they're obviously very upset and they're arguing over the breakfast table. And the breakfast table is that, has that little chrome stuff around the edges and the chrome legs, and they each have a chair and they're in each other's face and they're holding a newspaper. And one, the the, the husband is for one candidate, the wife is for the other, and so on. And uh, so they're sitting in this looks like you know 1950s, 40s, whatever. And their little boy is sitting on the floor with his teddy bear and his little suspended pants or little uh, outfit. And the dog is sitting under the chair of the of the of the wife, the woman. And the little boy is crying, and the two are going at it over politics. Well, as I said, Norman Rockwell just had the gift of of, of capturing things that other artists can't capture, and he certainly did in that. But as late as the mid 2000s. A similar portion of 18 to 29-year-olds of both sexes, just under 30%, identified as liberal. However, according to an American Enterprise Institute survey last year, and I put this in an article in our on our website, you, it, it, and there's it's all sourced, and you can go further on this if you want. But last year, 46% of white Gen Z women called themselves liberal. Some conservative scholars like the Acton Institute, this Anthony Bradley, they think that this emerging divide extends beyond political commitments to other areas, including morality. Last week, uh, he tweeted, Bradley, he tweeted on Z, about Gen Z, he said, women are more liberal than the men, and this includes personal morality as well. More and more guys are willing to wait for mar- until marriage, and fewer women are. Women now celebrate having a high body count, which is a it's it's a phrase talking about how many people they how many men they've had sex with, as an empowerment. Uh, he says, he says today's young men are more traditional. Very very interesting. Breakpoint is a part of the Chuck Colson Ministries that is today strong and going well. And uh, they've written an excellent article about these new findings, not necessarily about what I'm talking about, but it's about the result of what we're talking about here today. And I, I want to include what they said in their article. John Stone Street and Shane Morris, they write a lot for Breakpoint. That's part of Chuck Colson Ministries. They said there's more evidence is required before we can conclude that American young men have some kind of moral awakening, especially even the popularity of morally objectionable figures like fitness influencer and depraved pickup artist Andrew Tate. And if you haven't heard of him, don't bother. But he's big among the young. He's a weirdo as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, They say still the trends in self-description seem to hold in other polls, even for high schoolers. They're coming from a Christian, a biblical point of view. But they're being careful. They're being scholastic about it. And they say, one factor behind this striking political divide between the sexes, especially the rightward turn among young men, is the left's obsession with condemning the patriarchy and this whole idea of toxic masculinity. Many young men hear this as a condemnation of their very existence. So they're turning away from that and looking for alternatives, they say. I'm not quoting them now, but they're looking for this and they're they're looking they're looking for other 
sources of belief systems. And many of them, I'm saying, are returning are, are turning to Christianity. And they're doing so because of these movements, in my view, on the campuses across America. And it's it, it should be headline news at least once a week. I mean, it's involving that many people. And the press simply denies it. I mean, they, they, they erase it. They don't want any part of that. Big-time athletes, they run around, they pant after those guys, get them to quote something so they can run it in their newspaper, on their TV station, whatever. And yet when these guys say, hey, boy, we had a had a meeting last night. There were 12,000 kids out to this rally at XYZ University. They don't want any part of that. They leave that out of their reporting. But that doesn't mean it isn't happening. It is happening. And we need to be aware and informed. But it's also starting to make an impact on the culture. So that's what these guys are talking about. Stone Street and Morris say still pollsters have noted for decades. Now, one thing that reliably predicts conservative views in voting, especially among uh, young uh, women, is marriage. Pick pretty much any election in any year, and half of even most married women vote differently than their unmarried counterparts. In the 2020 election, for instance, the gap between how married and unmarried women voted was 15 points compared to a 10-point gap between married and unmarried men. They continue. As we know, marriage has been in in a steep decline for years. I agree, it has. In fact, Pew Research reports that the share of 40-year-olds who have never been married is higher today than at any time on record. Fertility, too, is now a record low making our country more single and more childless than at any time in its history. It would be foolish to think that these numbers would not eventually show up in political behavior, and that one of the most likely proofs would be the widening gap between the voting habits of men and women. Marriage and family, I'm quoting them again, are chief among what conservative writers have long called society's mediating institutions, those layers between individuals and the state that provide security, opportunity, and meaning without the government's intervention. We all understand that. As entering marriages and creating families becomes rarer, it's little wonder, they say, so many who historically would have looked for protection and provision in the home are now instead looking to Washington, D.C., to the federal government. They are so right. And the and the left, the Democrats, are providing these massive giveaways. I want you to remember to vote for me next time. I'm going to pay off all of your college loans. I want you to pay for me. We'll send food to your front door every day. For every baby you can have, doesn't matter if you're married or not, have your babies, we'll send you a check every month. Because we're compassionate. That's the big lie of our times. In other words, the wedges that radical feminism, the sexual revolution, and the breakdown of the family have driven between the sexes are likely the main reason for this growing political divide. Men and women were created for one another. Not just to, to build families, but to build societies as well. Since each sex is indispensable, 
both in their own ways are lost when isolated. The message of the world, the message of the left, is if I can do it, you can do it. Every woman should be able to do everything a man can do. Really, is that the test? What if women were intended to be something much better than men in so many ways? They are. Women can do things we can't do. Oh, I know some guys are out there trying to say, I'm in transition. (laughs) Hey, friend, memo. No, you're not. You just think you are. The doctors are just making millions of dollars off you and others like you in your confusion. You need help. You don't need a surgery. That's what's happening in our culture today. Women and men were created for one another. As the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. That's the Bible. Instead of pointing fingers at one another, as Adam and Eve did after the fall, we should take this emerging political divide as clear evidence that without our oldest and most important mediating institution, the family, society unravels. And it is. There's no way forward if men and women remain remain at, at loggerheads. Not only does dating become a nightmare, but the future is at risk. Stone Street says, after all, the government cannot birth new citizens. Well, they're trying to. They're trying to import millions of people. They are importing them to become new citizens quickly before the next election. Or maybe we can get you a ballot even if you don't become one. That's what this is all about. The breakdown of the family is at the heart of the problems that we have in America today. Yes, it's a sin problem, but it's also a social issue. If the family was standing strong, and if we were doing things in America today to strengthen the family, we would not be having these conversations, because the left the left undermines the family. It leads women to say, I don't need a man. And it leads men to say, man, I don't want to get married. Won't last anyway. So we have cohabitation and all of this going on, and, and it, it is first and foremost sin, But secondly, it's destructive to the culture and to the children. The shift is affecting children's lives. Researchers have consistently found that children born outside of marriage face elevated risks of falling into poverty, failing in school, suffering emotional and behavioral problems. Whether we like that or not, that's the way it is. That's what's happening. That's the truth. Child. Trends did a survey on marriage and family a few years ago, and NBC even reported on it among their findings, and this was the bottom line. I mean, there's a lot of information in in the survey, but that's the bottom line. There's large racial differences as well. You talk about racism, the leftist ideology in America today is racist to the core. Well, they claim to be protecting the minorities and protecting democracy. No, they aren't. They're using it. They're using it and then casting it aside when they don't need it anymore. That's the problem that we have today in our nation. Jesus is the answer to the world today. Without him, 
There's no other. Jesus is the way. My old friend Andre Crouch wrote that song. It's so true. True today as it was when he wrote it. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. We need it. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.